we've talked about when we launched Crashlands, we had 300 items in our workflow of like, these are things that have to go into the game. Yep. But you know, once we had $500 left in the bank, we were like, I guess not. (laughs) Scotch. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 199 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm the rumpus wrangler. I'm Sam and I'm the art slanger. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, (laughs) and... Slanger? Slanger? Oh, I feel bad about that now. I'm sorry, Art. (laughs) You got to sling it. Sling sling it. it. Don't sling it. That's not a good one. Uh, also, here we talk about the games industry as well. Uh, today is April tax teenth. Oh, yeah. 20 grand teen. You you pay taxes if you're in the States. Pay those taxes. Pay Speaking those of taxes, taxes, we're going to be talking about adult things on this show. Mm-hmm. So if you're a kid and you don't like taxes or swears, then you can you get on out of here. By the way, today is not actually the 19th, though. Right? I Isn't think that tax teen? 15th is, 15th is tax teen. Today's 15th. Oh, man. Better, I better. I mean, get, I, already, I already paid it. Oh, okay. I was like, oh, <laughs> I, I paid it yesterday, but I thought the 19th was when taxes were No, taken. it's always the 15th. It's always the 15th. Oh, shit. That's how I used to think. Because it's halfway through April. I, don't yeah. know why. I always thought Thanksgiving was the 25th of November because it just seemed like it was. Is it not? No, it's the third Thursday. I've come to learn that I don't oh, right. know. It's always a Thursday. So it's wiggling all over the place. Every. I think I, the only days that I know are Christmas and tax day. <laughs> and anytime, anytime somebody's like, oh, yeah, it's coming up on Labor Day weekend. I'm like, is that the one in? Is that the spring or the fall? August? Because there's Memorial Day. <laughs> yeah. Memorial Day, Veterans Day. Labor, Labor Day. Labor yes. Day. And President's Day. The problem is like they don't have traditions other than you just aren't you, at work. Yeah. Right. And so right. like there's no – Oh, yeah, you guys come into like the Labor Day. Right. It doesn't like stick uh, in the mind. Thing that happens mm. every year in the spring or fall or the whatever. Labor Day Labor Party. I assume Labor Day Party should all be about you go out and doing manual labor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it would be it would be fucking dope if Labor Day was like today is the day where we do like a full on 24 hour work day jam session. Yeah. Because it's Labor Day. Like we got to celebrate, celebrate, celebrate doing work. Celebrate mm-hmm. just working hard. Go clean up the street. It is weird that our celebration of labor is then not working. I don't quite. We're like, we did it, guys. We worked. We're done. Let's take a break. Let's yeah, take a, we'll take a little fine. nap. Whatever. Yeah. So I hope everybody got their taxes paid because – so today is the day where you are going to have a different amount of money than you thought. Yes. Sometimes it's it's more. Sometimes, sometimes it's, it's less. less. But it's mm-hmm. never going to be what you thought you had. Yeah. And that's the important it's thing. It's a surprise. Now, if you ended up with more money than you were expecting, don't just go spend that. That's not free money. That's just money that the government borrowed for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, use it responsibly. Yeah. The government borrowed that money, then they loaned it to somebody else, got some interest on it, and then gave it back to you. Yeah. Student loans actually probably is where you know most of it's gone. So it's cool. Yeah. That's cool. It's yeah, not, not paying them back. But yeah, making it more expensive. Just, yeah, 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 doing doing something bad to them probably. <laughs> um, also, we would like to thank our supporters over at MoneyGrab.Bscotch.Net. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can go on over there and um, do that, and we'll just we'll grab that grab that money. All right, let's talk about uh, Sam. You yes. Got a, you got a word. I got a word that I learned. Word you That learned. I thought was important to pass on to our listeners. So I have this problem, which is I mumble a lot, as you know. I have noticed. Uh, some of our listeners have said I sound like I'm slightly drunk at times. Mm-hmm. Also true. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, my wife cannot sometimes understand what it is that I am saying. So she will guess what whatever – she wants about what what the and sentence it, it is really about. is whatever she wants but it re- that's the thing so she's one just of the free few people of I've met yes just no <laughs> applies zero context to the scenario so it'll just be just random slight homonyms with whatever it was I was so maybe she'd be like hey do you want to like you know I'm making some crackers you want some and I'll be like, be like and she'd be like papyrus yes exactly and you're like exactly. that's not and this actually happens all the time. <laughs> 
so I learned a word. I made that this. scenario up, by the way. That wasn't a real one. It's about accurate, pretty close. Um, so I found this word the other day when I was on the thesaurus.com looking for another word for something in the game. And the the description was apparently a poet coined it back like a hundred years ago because they heard a poem, like a childhood poem, that they always thought ended with the phrase uh, and Lady Mondegreen. And Lady Mondegreen. When just, actually – Just ended with that. Yeah, that was like the last – Ended with and Lady Mondegreen. Mm-hmm. Okay, sure. When in reality it was and laid him on the green. That probably made more sense in context. Mm-hmm. Oh. So the phrase, the word is Mondegreen. Mm-hmm. When someone hears you and then repeats something back that is completely wrong. It <laughs> <laughs> has oh. no basis in the context yes. of the moment. So now I just call my wife Mondegreen whenever this happens. Uh, it's working out really good because it's sort of – I've never – before I just had to be like – why? <laughs> Can't you understand? Sometimes me? you need a name for something. Exactly. And I feel so then much you, better. Then it's explained. Mm-hmm. But, so so, but no trying. part of your strategy has been just as mumbleless. I have tried to mumble less, okay. but it's a very it's inherent in my being. Well, no, it's uh, uh, one, it's one thing I've learned about Sam's mumbling is that it's not it's not about clarity. It only occurs when he's mm-hmm. responding to something that he doesn't think matters that much. Um, so so it's so it's often an affirmation. So I'll be like, "What do you think about this?" And the, or like, "Should I do this?" And he'll be like, "Which means, which means it doesn't matter what he yeah, said because it's which, fine." Yeah, it could mean he like, care. right? It could mean like, "Yes, I think you should do that, but it probably doesn't matter. So you should just do whatever you want." Is the full sentence? It that might he also said. mean no, but it also doesn't really matter that much, right? Mm. So I've taken it to mean that when a mumble comes like in response, really it's just like a meh. You just deal with it. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> maybe, I'm, maybe I'm sort of mentally detached at the time too, because frequently you ask me stuff and I'm actually in the middle of something, and I'll just be like, eh, and then carry right. on, you know? Because it's just not—it doesn't matter that mm-hmm. much right now. Just yeah, making an audible noise. Yeah. So it's just like a free. Because if you're, you know, Sam, you're very uh, gregarious vocal person. That's true. I do talk, and so when you do care about something, you know, the words do come out. That's true. So I think it's just a relative clarity. It's it's more. It's like a caro meter. You know, very sort of mm. audible one. Uh-huh. Yeah. The karometer. Mondegreen. Mondegreen. Take that home. So you can yell that at people when they mishear you. Yeah. That's right. Uh, also, Sam, you were on a podcast. Oh, yeah. Airtable. 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 So Airtable contacted us, surprise, and they said, hey, we've got this podcast. Would you guys want to be on it? And we were like, no. But uh, about a month went <laughs> by. And then <laughs> and we uh, were like, yeah. back, and I was like, yeah, actually, we got some time. Because basically, we were, so they, was they right said, before the alpha when they sent us a note. So they said, you want to be on the podcast? And you're like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> nah <laughs> yeah, I emailed in mumble form. Um, <laughs> yeah. I basically said, like, hey, you know, we got, we're like going into this alpha. We have a lot of stuff going on. So I don't really have time for it. Um, and then we did. And so I hopped onto it uh, last week. Is that last week? Two weeks ago? Uh, I think it was just a few days we're ago. We're in the probably. time warp. I don't know. Uh, but anyways, it came out on Monday, saying that in the past tense. Today is Monday as far as we're recording. This podcast comes out on Wednesday, so it came out already. It came um, out on April 16th. There you go. And basically what it was was I got to sit down with uh, with one of the – basically one of the community organizers there, Zoe, who's been doing their, their podcast stuff. And uh, we talked about how we actually used Airtable in the context of Levelhead. So the podcast is all about Airtable, of course. Uh, but I got to show off Levelhead and talk a little bit more about how we think through some of these design problems and stuff like that. So I showed them how we'd initially used Airtable to set up the level structure for the game because we didn't actually have the tooling inside of the game when we started building all levels. Uh, and so it was a sort of big, crazy, you know, database spreadsheet thing. So it was a lot of fun. And you guys can check it out. We'll put it in the show notes. Did yeah. You also, while, you're, while you were talking, did you ask them 
how are they going to compete with this upstart notion that basically just mm. also is Airtable? I didn't mention notion. Okay. I, yeah, it's probably I, a sore point for that. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to talk to them about that. <laughs> but I, did, I didn't tell them about the whisper. So yeah. So then you know we exchanged whispers towards the end. Which for those who who have not listened to that episode of the podcast, like what sixty episodes ago, we or did something? it for. There were like probably t- it was there actually episodes, but it was, it was when, we, when we first discovered Airtable because it was like magic, and then so as we were talking about it, we were just started going Airtable. I hate to break it to you. It was probably more like a hundred episodes. Ago. Was it really? Was it? <laughs> yeah. There's no way. Was it? Actually, yeah, it might've been. Oh, well, I know more than a year. We were using Airtable when we were developing. But a year is 50 buddies. episodes. Yeah. And it's been two oh, years. shit. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I it's think been a while. it's been about two Whoa. years. <laughs> this is episode 199 after all. That's is, a lot. Which is we're damn, one away. Damn close to From 200. And prime. Is it? I saw it in the show notes. Okay. Oh. From over here. Well, how did you, I don't know how you did that? <laughs> Use your glasses. Well, I gotta get the. I gotta get LASIK. People yeah, keep people keep reading my stuff through my glasses. <laughs> glasses. It's a privacy uh, issue, really. It's a privacy. Glasses are a real privacy concern. They are. Uh, all right, let's talk about Levelhead. Yeah. When's it coming out? Soon. April. It's April. Coming out, soon. It's coming out April soon. So this, so we're recording this on the fifteenth, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what we do know. Is that it's not going to launch by the time this episode airs. <laughs> Otherwise, That's we would true. just tell you. Otherwise, we would have been like, "It's out now," mm-hmm. but it's not out now. But it is, and out. it won't be out now either. Now no. being the time the episode the day comes of the out, correct? Mm-hmm. So that means there's 13 days left. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, but it'll be out. So it's every day, soon. every day, the likelihood increases that it's going to come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, until no. it until it does come out, and then it decreases in all subsequent. Days. Then it decreases. <laughs> Some would say sharply. Very sharply. Uh, it drops basically to zero immediately mm-hmm. afterwards. Yeah. So let's talk about – let's just talk about how this is going because we're – of course, we're, we're ramping up. We're in the we're, middle of it. We're leading toward a launch. Mm-hmm. What's that like? Yeah, people have noticed that over, over the last week, uh, like our Steam, our Steam page got updated. Some things happened in the Discord. Like there, things have been – we're, you know, we're, you can everything's see coming it. online. You see these little tendrils of yeah. activity sort of springing out. Yeah. So a big part of the 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 pre-launch sequence as a game dev is basically looking through all the places where players can talk to you about stuff and trying to make it so that they can kind of funnel that energy in an appropriate way, so that once the launch actually happens, that your team isn't crushed and bewildered at the same time by crush crush wildered. You won't be crush wildered or wilder crushed. That's yep. good. Yeah. You would be will to crushed. Uh, right. So basically what we've done then is we went to the Steam forums and completely stole the structure from Dead Cells Steam forums because it looks real good. And just borrowed. Bar- borrowed. We'll it. give it back Took later. inspiration Took from. inspiration. And, uh, and then you know, added stuff like here's how you get to the feedback, the patch notes, all this other stuff. And came up with plans for how we're going to handle all this. And so the interesting note about it is it's, it's fun when it's all done because it's kind of like putting together a – like a little house, you know, you kind of get it all yep. set up. But, like, oh, this is nice and organized and clean. Yeah. But the moment to moment is like, it's like wiggling chairs around the dining room sort of a situation. Like it's not a lot of, it's not big movements by any stretch. And so every so often something nice and big will happen. So we got our new wallpaper and our new box art uh, from David Keg. And so David Keg's done uh, some work for Blizzard as well. Uh, for, he's a freelancer. He does fantastic stuff. And so he did the new uh, level head box art for it was it. very colorful so fun and he just like knocked out of the park actually toned the color down yeah. <laughs> in the background because it was it was uh competing too much with the characters uh but he did such a good job with it so fun and so we had those we put them up on the reddit and we sent out a ballyhoo this past weekend to everybody with both some songs from the ost and uh and the, the box art and so it's just sort of like 
the pieces are finally starting to come into place. But on the dev side, it's super interesting because over here we've been just like it's it's sort of clearing all trying to clear all the loose ends as rapidly as possible. And by all we mean a small subset. And of many the of ones, them that matter the most. Yeah, yeah. Every end is loose right now. <laughs> <laughs> <But>. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's it's been it's it's been stressful. Yeah. In the sense that there's a, a handful of things that definitely need to happen. And so these are security concerns. These are sort of like final bug fixes and things like that. Um, doing a lot of testing and all that stuff. But I think the the weird part about it is it's a ton of work that is essentially like risk management. Yes. You know, it's not it's, it's, it's work that's not like you, when we do it and we deploy that patch, people who see that patch aren't going to be like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. love the fact that this thing is less hackable or whatever. Like, well, the reality is it's, it's more of the stuff that keeps us safe and sane in a post-launch world, right? Yeah. It really, it's, it's what allows us to actually develop the new features later. Yes. Yeah. Because uh, we'll have the time to do it. So from a game development standpoint, it's the kind of stuff that's it's kind, it's not as satisfying to work on because you know that it's not actually for the players. It's for us. Yeah. And so when we, well, develop- I mean, it is, it is for both, but it's that it's that invisible part, right? Yeah. Because the fact is, it's better for them to have a game that's secure and stable. Yeah, well, well, yeah. because the the consequences to a player of of having that not been true is that the leaderboards are hacked immediately instead of after a few days, which you know that's probably <laughs> right. <laughs> so if we're being honest, just um, give that a couple of days of breathing breathe room. Right, yeah, but it's but it's that it's that changing the user experience because we are we're controlling for these other kinds of variables that could happen. Uh, but now it's just a piece that players they don't experience the other side of they don't they don't experience having had, you know, a frame rate that drops below 30 because you did these optimizations and stuff. And they don't experience as much uh, hacked content, right? Because right. we added in these these features that make it harder to do that. And so the end result is just that they get the game in the way that they think it should be and that we think it should be, mm-hmm. uh, which doesn't feel like a feature, you know? It doesn't feel like... Yeah. Yeah, well, that's that's the... You have to do a lot of work, actually, to just secure the thing in the way you want it to be, rather yeah. than just, like, you build it, and then you sort of have to, like, build a display case, you know? Yeah, well, we've, said, we've seen a lot of people, you know, making comments about... So, when we did our alpha, whenever that was, a month ago or something. Yeah. Um. So, there are people who are in the alpha who are then, you know, like, getting ready for the game to come out, and they're like, I can't wait to see all the new stuff that's in there, right? And, we're, and we can't have to be like, well, I mean, there's not that much new stuff. It's mostly just making it all work. Well, and, and even things like localization. You know, we we, yeah. we only had English during the, mm-hmm. the alpha, and then since then, we now have nine, nine languages. languages yeah. you know? eight, eight additional languages on top and, of English. And it's not, it's not fully localized. It's not totally finished. Um, and that's always going to be an ongoing process, because every new thing we add to the game creates like at least a word. Mm-hmm, you know, yeah. somewhere that we have to show to people to explain what the thing is. Um, so localization is always sort of like an ongoing concern. But again, it's one of those things where, you know, if you if you spoke English, you were in the alpha. Yeah. And if you if you speak other languages, you weren't in the alpha. Right. So like it's not Probably, a new yeah. feature for you because mm-hmm. now the game just like is in French. Yeah. But without it, then now all these other people wouldn't be able to play the game. Right. In their native language. Yeah. So again, it's that like it's not it's that weird area between like it makes it so that the game is in, more enjoyable and more accessible mm-hmm. to people and it's less hackable and more stable, et cetera. But it's it's those aren't the kinds of things that players directly get excited about because they're kind of those invisible things. Yeah. You know? But the nice thing is that as we're saying, it, it clears the runway. Because we get we get all that stuff kind of taken care of, yeah. so we're ready for launch. Because our goal is still to be able to move fast. Yeah, yeah. post launch we can still move fast and add content. Yeah. Um, and of course, every piece of content we add also has to have all these little like shoring up mechanisms. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I when I used to think about localization from a player perspective, it, it didn't ever seem like that big of a deal because it was like, yeah, you just I always thought about like a book, right? You just you just yes. translate it. 
Um, swap the words out. Swap the words out. But as we've gone through the process with Crashlands and then now again with Levelhead, I mean, this is a it's been a full time gig for sure. And then Sampy has been roped in as far as doing some of the business stuff. And then Seth's been involved also because you're actually to build all this tech into the game. Well, it's even stuff that seems that is really not obvious. Like mm-hmm. the fact that it's actually surprisingly hard to display Chinese characters and uh, say like Russian characters on the screen at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like it's surprisingly like, why hard. Would that be hard? Like, why would that be hard? Characters. They're just characters. Well, it's because you need to, you need to make sure you have a font for each one that displays correctly. You need to make sure that you're now detecting which of those things you're supposed to, that the, the word is in. So you actually know that this is in Russian. So you grab a font that has Russian characters mm-hmm. in it or whatever. And now what happens if you mix Russian characters with Chinese characters in the same word? Well, uh, and this reminds know. me of like when I, when I first started uh, programming games and it took me a week to figure out how to not have the character fall through the ground. Yeah. Right. And it's like standing on the ground, it just kind of seems like a given, you know, <laughs> right. like you don't really, when you play right. a game, you don't really think about like, how is this happening? Yeah. Yep. And so when you see text in a game, again, you just take it for granted. Yeah. But you don't think like, where's that coming from? How's, how is that letter in that word? Like where, where yeah. is that? And how am I seeing well, Especially it? because modern software that you, that users are normally interacting with that isn't games. Um, but even some game engines uh, has, has handled the whole like font and character problems so beautifully because they've had to for, because of the fact that, you know, software having is words is a nice it's, thing. It's a global yeah. thing uh, that it's all feels very seamless. Like when you're, when you're looking at something on your, on your computer screen, if you like open up, you know, word or something, right. Um, what you don't know is actually happening in the background is that there are fallback fonts where the operating mm-hmm. system, when it finds a character that's not in the font that you've chosen, it's like, Oh, I know that that's not in there. And it goes to some other font and it grabs that character. Like that's all happening right. Sometimes you behind see the scenes. What's dude. called tofu, which is those rectangles. Yeah. If you're writing text on your screen and you see a rectangle. Even your fallbacks don't have. Yeah. No one knows what they or, or your system doesn't have fallbacks, which mm-hmm. is basically the case. Like if you're if you're doing a thing largely from scratch like we are with with making a game, uh, then when it comes to fonts, yeah. um, then there there's no like automated fallback system. And so now all of a sudden we have to figure out, OK, what do we do? Do we. Do we force it so that you can only put in things that are only in one language guaranteed so that we just know what it is and can display the right font? Do we develop a fallback system? Like, what do we do? It's just, it's surprisingly stupidly complicated. Yeah. So yeah. this week has been – or this, this past couple of weeks has been just sort of, you know, all that still. Just more of that. We sort of gear up for it. And uh, it's been it's been really good, but I think – I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I'm excited to uh, – I'm excited to get back to- onto the – gameplay features yes. uh wagon you know yeah. start thinking about that so well, let's, even let's just talk either about just other quality of life features so like so even like interface updates and yeah well because even right now because we have the whole share codes thing right the people use to to share to share levels with each other and one of the things that we really wanted to, to make sure we had done which we i don't know if we will or not um was was the ability to share those just using a web link mm-hmm. right and uh and it's one of those things that's like it doesn't doesn't impact the game at all, but it just seems like such a nice little feature to have. Then, uh, you know, it might not have it for for the for launch, um, but we'll get it in soon after. And even that, like, feels really good compared to just yeah. like, do the fonts work? You know, yeah. Like, Can I still read the text? Yeah. 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 Okay, tell you guys what I'm most excited about, though, which is the fact that for all of our other games, we 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 fully launched them, right? So it was like they just went from done. zero to zero. sixty. Yeah, yeah. and so uh, we were able to. Yeah, I wish. Uh, <laughs> the really nice thing to me about early access is that when people get mad or complain about something, then we can then we can fix it 
Yeah, it's and, part of the whole experience. And it's part of the known experience. And then the, that's also like a much happier experience. So like if, if a player is like, oh, there's not – like this thing doesn't exist and then you make it exist. And we're like, yeah, we'll put that in our list. And they're like, oh, great, thanks. That's yeah. like so much more exciting than if the game just launched with it. But there is a counter to that, which is now because there's an expectation that that players can – that their ideas can become a piece of the, mm-hmm. of the game. Uh, and be no, careful. Then you got to be careful because yeah. there, there are no two players that have the same belief yes. about how the thing should work. And often they're contradictory. And then in a large fraction of the time, they're contradictory to what we want. And uh, and in particular, because There's somehow three opposing views for every. Yeah. Idea. <laughs> and, and what we've noticed from from uh, just just in general, unless you take an entire like holistic view of a, of a project, like a game or whatever, when you're trying to figure out when you're trying to provide suggestions for it, um, your suggestions always are are too narrowly they're very local. scoped. They're very local and you don't actually fully think through the consequences on the rest mm-hmm. of the system. And so, so that's going to be the biggest I think, frustration on our side is like seeing it, seeing all these like ideas that people really, really want that are actually cool. It's just that they literally can't work. They yeah. literally well, cannot. I, and I think the other interesting thing is there's this, um, this absence blindness thing, which yeah. is like players are generally going to give you feedback about what is there. Yep. And as a developer, it's your job to, Add things, yeah. Come up with things that the players wouldn't have even imagined, and use that to blow up the game even more, right? Yeah. And so, if you spend all of your time working on like tinkering with the things that players give you feedback about, then that means you're not going to add all the really cool new stuff that they couldn't even imagine. So, so we need to be very diligent and careful, you know, after the launch and figure out like we we need a plan basically of how much time we're going to spend on each, you know, content patch and stuff with new features versus taking player suggestions and that kind of stuff. The truth is, I think it's something we're just going to kind of be figuring out. We got a rough yeah. idea of how this is going to work, but yeah. you know, you just need enough of a plan to meet, to meet your day. And then it's going to go sideways and you got to sort of replan. Yeah. So the plan, plan will only live long enough. Yeah, the <laughs> the plan will room. only live long enough until the day after early access launch, yeah. I think. And then we'll probably the day of, or the day of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, We'll press publish. We'll be like, well, there goes there everything. Goes everything. <laughs> yeah. um, okay. So then what about uh, what about content updates? We'll talk, we'll talk about like what what are we thinking in terms of what matters, what doesn't matter? Because we there's a big article that came out about, about Apex Legends. Mm-hmm. I was in Polygon, I think it was. And we were talking about Apex Legends has essentially collapsed. Um, or it, it is in the process of collapsing and the, the user base is kind of like – funneling out and going back to Fortnite or now it still has else. like a billion people playing it's it. It's only got a billion. It's by comparison, right? <laughs> you know, so only about a seventh of the world's population. Playing <laughs> it is game. one of those funny things too. So whenever when we look at these articles about these games declining, these are really popular games. Uh, if you look at, and you look at the curve, like, yeah, it's like, it's like half or yeah. whatever, but then you look at those absolute numbers still. still tremendous. It's, like, <laughs> it's, enormous. it's like 20 times the size of our home state. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, so so there's an interesting question about like cadence of content updates, and we still mm-hmm. don't know, and we'll have to just try some stuff. But uh, we were reading articles from like back in the Team Fortress two days where Valve was doing like weekly content patches, mm-hmm. and they would add some new thing every week and like do some balance changes and stuff. And it turned out that, that was too fast, and and players kind of like stopped caring about the the content patches. Rather, what it what it did was it was it only reinvited the current player base was sort of what the issue was well and also it, it becomes expected and it's no longer news yes right so and like, it also makes the game unstable right because right. like because now you don't get to just like yeah. sit with the game as it is for a while and experience it as it is like all of a sudden it's changed again it's changed again it's changed again yeah so so there's this kind of theory that you know you need this period of stability with then injections of chaos and new interesting things um and then you've got games like Fortnite, where every week they've got some new thing coming out i think every two weeks 
something like something that. Something like that. Yeah. It's fast. Um, so maybe like a new gun or, or some new skins or something like that. So, but it's not a big change and it's not, and it's rarely a fundamental change to the game, right? It's just like, yeah, adding a little bit here and there. Yeah. Um, and then you've got things like, uh, World of Warcraft, where I think in the last expansion, every seven or every 11 weeks, every 77 days, they'd have a huge content patch of like entirely new raid tier, new dungeons, and class rebalances, and new items and stuff like that. Yeah. So the game is stable for basically like two and a half months in a certain state. And then suddenly it changes a whole bunch in one go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of different philosophies. So it looks like what's happening with this uh, Apex Legends situation is that players were kind of like coming there from Fortnite, essentially. Because it was something new, you know? It was something new, and, and also Fortnite is suffering from that, like, people like it, so now people hate it yeah. thing. It's, yeah. been around, it's been around long enough. It's been around long enough yeah. that people people just get tired of hearing about the same thing. Yeah. And so yeah. when something becomes popular, it then immediately becomes unpopular with a certain like segment of the But there's also why Epic Games is in a really good job of putting out these updates that do make changes um, and, and, and doing some pretty weird stuff. Like I just saw recently there, they added a volcano to the map like yeah. Oh, yeah, one, one time and then and they, they, they always give you these crazy hints. things. Yeah, yeah, they give you these hints about things and, and it's all these one-off events, right? So – so then after a while, then there was like a whole like floor is lava thing, which either mm-hmm. happened or was expected to happen. I don't, I don't keep enough, <laughs> enough up to date with like it. Like maybe like lava keeps yeah. rising. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so they keep on taking these things that only last and even like the whole Thanos thing. Remember that shit? Yeah. Like yeah. a year ago, whenever mm-hmm. that was. Like for a couple weeks. Yeah, you could, when you could get the, the gauntlet, the gauntlet. Yeah. and then yeah, become just, Thanos, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, like, and that never happened again. That was just yeah. – so I think they did a really good job. What keeps it interesting where, where you want to always be playing because you don't want to miss whatever weird thing is happening. Yeah, there, yeah. Which, know, which is actually – that's an interesting strategy that most – that's different than the ones you were talking about, about like the cadence of – because all those other ones are basically releasing stuff that keeps on adding to the game, right? Right. And some of what games like Fortnite and other 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 sort of event-driven uh, game designers will, will do is they'll add time-sensitive content mm-hmm. that comes in and goes away and whatever. Yeah. So there's a lot of different strategies. And with the Apex Legends thing, I think they have this – Problem where they're they're releasing stuff very slowly, and they made an announcement saying like our intent is to deliver content at a more deliberate and slow pace, so that people don't have to constantly relearn the game, mm-hmm. and so that we can ensure stability. Uh, the problem is that like their apparently their content updates are still really meager buggy. and buggy. Term, yeah, they're buggy and they're not very big, and mm-hmm. so so people still don't have to relearn the game when a content match <laughs> right. drops, but also there's just not a lot to talk about or experience, mm-hmm. so. So there's there's definitely a line to walk, and also I think their their other problem is that every good thing that they did, uh, uh, Fortnite just took it within like within two, yeah within, <laughs> within a month for every single one of those. So they things. had they had that ping system where you could you had a like point at a yeah thing. you could point it at anything, and then you had a bunch of different voice commands that you could just issue to the game, and your character would announce mm. that you're like I'm gonna go here, or like cover me, I'm traveling here, yeah, go, go like here. Put it on a map for your buddies. Yeah, or something. it would put a little waypoint out in the world, yeah. and it was you know it was a very useful kind of a thing. And so uh, I think within two weeks, Fortnite just had that as yeah. well. Yeah, they have a huge advantage with how fast their development cycle is. Yeah, the, It's all about that DevOps. Yep. It is. You know, the, the faster you can so, – so in DevOps, they talk about the idea of a cycle time and that your, your mm-hmm. goal is to always reduce your cycle time. The cycle time is the time it takes from an idea to, to go – to, to become a delivered – to deliver value to your customer. <laughs> yeah. Which in the case of DevOps means actually being fully tested and everything else. Right? Fully so deployed. It's like, so, so from somebody being like, wouldn't it be cool if bleh? And, and then the art exists. The how code long exists. Is it? It's been tested internally. It's been tested externally. Mm-hmm. And now it, and then it gets deployed in some yeah. way. And so for a, for a AAA game, uh, two weeks it's very of a cycle nuts. time is unheard of. Yeah. Like especially in, in the industry where you all, all you hear about is crunch and missing deadlines. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you got your Fallout 76s where like, game is developed forever and then it gets gets published <laughs> and it's just hell. yeah 
completely broken. Um, so I, I think that alone is such a crazy strategy. Like it's crazy in terms of how good it is relative to what everybody else is. Well, able I think that's to do. that's the interesting thing about it is you look at what that means for Fortnite, like what that what that cycle time means to them. It's how do you that, beat them? How do you beat them? Any how any you, new game, yeah. yeah, any new game that comes out is like we're the we're the next battle royale. Here's our interesting feature. Well, it's, Fortnite, a lot, it's a lot like stuff. Steam, right? It's like so mm-hmm. Steam historically has not tried to compete with you know the startups in any like mm-hmm. other startup stores in any way um because it's so far ahead that it doesn't need to but then as soon as it ever every once in a while it, it does feel like it needs to it's like when back when discord was going to launch its store mm-hmm. then steam was like oh by the way we updated our chat client and now it just looks like discord right? right uh so so steam also has this where they have that where they and the same with that fortnite has that inbuilt advantage where their their audience is the entire audience right now mm-hmm. they they have a monopoly on that genre. In the case of Fortnite, it's a game type. In the case of Steam, it's a way of getting games, right? Mm-hmm. But they have a monopoly on it. They have all the users. And so if someone was to come in and compete in that space, they not only have to come up with all of the things that make that other thing already great, but they also have to then do one better. Right. And they have to do it so fast that the that their competitor can't keep up, even though their competitor has every well, no, resource they, they in the universe. Yeah, they can't just do one better. They have to keep doing one better. Yeah, yeah. Right? They have like, to always be ahead. Because as soon as they go one ahead, then, uh, then the player with all the players and all the money and everything mm-hmm. is going to be like, well, that's our feature now. Yep. So then now you have to be like, well, we have this now. And then yep. they'll be like, well, that's ours too. Yep. They'll be like, well, now we got this. And so, and they so take all you then end up really doing is actually feeding ideas and, and improvements to the to your competitor. Because if your competitor, every idea you come up with just gets yeah, taken. If, you, if, the, if the big player in the market uh, has good DevOps, then it, I don't know how you would. You have to. Just, I don't know how you would unseat that. I think you can't. Well, the only way you can do it is by some. other means, like Epic being like, "We'll just buy these games." You got to. You got to <laughs> roll the wormhole. Like, yeah, you, gotta, you, you need a completely different strategy yeah. that goes outside of the boundaries. Yeah, you actually, of the just game. and I think that's the important thing is that people have been talking for a long time about all these all these things trying to compete with Steam, right? But they're always doing it on Steam's terms. Yep, that's the only way they've been doing it. And Epic was the first one to come out and just be like, "What if we just took it?" Yep. What if we just said this is our game now? So is this one, and we just like kept on playing this game. Um, but you know, not not just any random company can do that because you need to have an enormous war chest and a huge money. player base already. And a huge player base. No one wants to put their AAA game on a dead store. Nope. Even if you pay them a lot of money, yeah, it's not gonna happen. Well, and there's that interesting problem of of all these players who are outraged about like one specific game going to Epic or whatever. What they don't what they don't fully recognize is that by making infinite Reddit threads about it and by tweeting about it all the time. They're just advertising the game. All they're doing is advertising the <laughs> game and and letting more people know about the Epic Store who never would have heard about it, yeah. you know? Yeah, because actually, like, yeah, you that's can't, true. What do you do? That whole, uh, was it Metro? Metro Exodus. Metro Exodus. I've uh, never heard that, of that Yeah, game. that's a series that I, like, I've never just really known much about yeah, or, or played. <laughs> but I heard so much about it. I was like, people must fucking love this game. Like, they're <laughs> yeah. so angry about yeah. this. So. I, I I still haven't bought it because I haven't played games actually in quite some time. But but now it's actually one of the games. That, it's just one of the games I think of yeah. now, you know, because of how angry people are about it, uh, <laughs> which is really interesting. It's, it's a counterproductive. I think we talked last week, too, about how a lot of that is just kind of a counterproductive strategy. Yeah. Well, this uh, is the yeah. this is on this is known as the Streisand effect, which yeah. is named after uh, at some point, some helicopter pilot was taking photographs, aerial of, photographs, aerial photographs of celebrities homes, took a picture of Barbara Streisand's. Sort of like, I don't know, mansion. cliffside mansion yeah. or something. Um, and she was so upset about it that she sued this photographer to like take this photo down and all this other stuff. And all these articles got written about it. And then, of course, in the articles, the photograph is there. <laughs> yep. And then the photograph is all of a sudden, that's all anybody can talk about. 
And now, instead of squelching it, she accidentally created. Yeah, because of course nobody gave a fuck, right there. Yeah, nobody cares <laughs> about <laughs> pictures of her yeah. house. And, and those, those who did, it would have been in like whatever those magazines are there. And, they'd be like, "Look right. at this house." Exactly, yep. and they'd make up some it's weird big. story about it or yeah. whatever. And then, and then the next week, it'd be about aliens this time mm-hmm. or whatever. And then people would just forget. It would have just been a blip. Now there's yeah. an entire like. There's a Wikipedia there's article. There's an entire Wikipedia article about <laughs> and a, this and a, and phenomenon and a South Park episode. Yep. Yeah, which is that like. Was well, it Mecha Streisand? Yeah, Mecha Streisand. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like we talk about about in moderation this idea between like muting or blocking. You yeah. know, if you block if you block somebody who's a bad actor, all of a sudden they know that they're being blocked and they have all this motivation to like get around the block, and then you actually increase the amount of trouble that they're going to cause for you, yeah. right? So. Whereas a mute is basically just saying like, meh, I don't care about this. Like, I'm just not, you just keep doing whatever you want to do and I'm just going to move on with my life. Right. And so that of course is the, literally the only way to deal with these kinds of things. Well, if something happens with, you don't like, just what, you know, go yeah, same deal with, with like hack, hack prevention too. Right. If like, if somebody tries to hack something and as a consequence, you like blow up the, all their data or you block them forever or you change the game in some way to harass them or whatever, uh, you've now increase their incentive to like figure out how to do a better job of hacking you right if they actually just can't really tell if their hack worked or not well this is the and whole, that's the outcome the old the old uh the opposite of love is not hate it's indifference yeah exactly <laughs> that's exactly right you just don't pay attention like no yeah yeah i don't even love and hate exist. are both strong emotions mm-hmm. indifference is uh, nothing yeah, nothing nothing you're gonna yep. get nothing from me <laughs> well, this, this kind of comes back to our like our our uh quote anti-piracy philosophy right which is recognizing that there is you no mean such our piracy thing. indifference philosophy yeah there is no such thing as anti-piracy like the harder the harder you as a company try to like lock down your game the more you just sort of like make pirates motivated to take to have it mm-hmm. yeah and well, then also and the, and the higher you incentivize because now all of a sudden like the first person to crack a game gets all of the the what i, what I assume is piracy credit i don't really know how yeah, all that they, works but they get piracy bucks that they piracy bucks yeah exactly. it turns out they're worth nothing yeah but, you know yeah like, <laughs> they get a lot of exposure bucks in the piracy community. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So, so for example, like with Crashlands, we made it so that when you start playing the game, you it's we have all of our online features and stuff for cloud saving and all that. But but you can just play the game. Mm-hmm. Just you just have it and it's fine. And we actually get tons of messages from people who are like, "Hey, I pirated Crashlands. I loved it, and I'm sorry." And I went and I bought it. I just want to let you guys know that you you know you you converted me into a into a customer. And it is, of course, far few players then pirated it and then didn't do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the piracy rate's still ninety seven percent, but it's very very high still. <laughs> um, but but the fact is, like, it didn't that didn't really impact us, and and especially yeah. because we we were able to through web features basically like turn off access to certain parts of the content yeah, that would cost us money. that would actually cost us money, so that that way we're not being harmed, and somebody still has an incentive to come back like truly buy the yeah. game. And so you know we we do the same thing in Levelhead where we say like there are certain parts of the game that you can just play. Um, <clears throat> you're not going to be able to get access to all of these advanced web features that cost us a bunch of money to run, but you can still do a bunch of stuff in the game. You can still play the campaign. You can still make levels. Yeah. And that's our way of saying like, can't share them. we get it. Everybody's got their reasons. You know, maybe you can't buy it right now. Maybe, uh, maybe you just have a stance or maybe you just want to try it and you mm-hmm. don't really know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, any of those things could end up with you being like, you know what? I really do like this game and I do want to support yep. the development. So you know, we we put that in there. Yeah, we we'd of course prefer that you didn't. Yeah, but yeah. also <laughs> also we get it. Also, Whatever. you know, it, it's it's that's a thing we're not going to try to stop. Yeah. That would be but again, that's person. one of those like leading up to launch things we have to put development time into is making yeah. sure that we accommodate. Yeah. You know, but it was but it, but we should still say that that the the fact of piracy still has to influence some of our 
our yeah. design decisions. Because there's because like yeah. there's one big question. So say so with the game like with with level head, um, you only really need to log in to share levels, like from a from a technical standpoint, right? Yeah. Uh, and there's no reason why technically you couldn't be downloading other people's levels without logging in. Uh, the problem is that if you, because most of our users will be pirates, then all of a sudden our costs of our bandwidth costs of all the levels that we're now letting people download go up literally about 30 times, 30 yeah. X, right? Yeah, Cause yeah. if they go with a 97% up. piracy rate, then one in 30, right. basically. So it actually becomes very expensive and actually untenable to allow people to download content without first passing some piracy check. Um, and which is then kind of frustrating because, of course, like I would prefer the user experience be like you just can have whatever makes sense for you to have at the moment. And then uh, and then once you like need to pass through that gate to like get the rest of it, then that would be fine. But we actually just kind of can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're, we're always having to put dev time into that, which which does suck. But, yeah. but you know, it's part of it. It's just part yeah, of it's exactly. just signed up for it. <laughs> it's, it's actually just part of our constraints is kind yeah. of how we see it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's get on to some questions. These questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. So if you'd like to get your question on a future episode or influence what questions we answer. Because uh, you can upvote stuff over yeah, there. You can go there, ask questions, vote questions up, and then we'll talk about it. So first question comes from Rustmine22. Are any of you bilingual or do any of you know two or more languages semi-fluently? No, I guess is the short no. answer. Well, we went to Uruguay, and Sam Sam brokenly came out of nowhere. But I got, <laughs> but but semi fluently, that seems no. like a stretch, probably. Yeah, I could get around. Yeah, I can. Well, how semi are we talking? Are we talking point <laughs> oh six? Because that's isn't semi just point five? I had like, like a, a I had like a real a I had a weak conversation with uh, like a cab driver and the woman at the bakery counter. Yeah, I witnessed it. Mm-hmm. I witnessed it. <laughs> it took me a while to figure out when they were asking us if we wanted water con con gas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, what do you mean? Because I was thinking like this has to mean something. Uh, it can't just mean with gas. That's, but it literally it, does though. But it's apparently people just drink bubbly, bubbly water. carbonated water in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really know it's about water, that. Water with gas. Very straightforward. Yeah. You know? Now my, my wife speaks like four languages. She's from India. She's really holding it, that end of your household down. Yeah. On average, you guys are doing great. On average, my <laughs> household speaks two languages per person. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So because over in India, there's a lot of states and those states were actually sort of like nations in and of themselves before the, the British showed up and did, did their did whole that. shit that they always do. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so like, we'll just redraw this map for you. Yeah. So, you know, do like, you solid. Yeah. So in a U.S. equivalent, it would be kind of like if Iowa – spoke its own language and then Minnesota spoke its own language and then Nebraska had its own language, et cetera, et cetera. But then of course we're all part of the same country. So we still need to a national language. Yeah, we still need a national language. But then it's also the case that that like maybe for a while, because of other conquerings in the past, maybe like the northern half of the United States also has another language everybody speaks and the southern half has a language everybody <laughs> else speaks. So typically in India you've got your state language. Then you've got your regional language. So maybe it's like Hindi or Tamil or something. Mm. And then everybody – and then people tend to learn English as well because all government stuff is done in English. So, so tri- like trilingual is like the minimum. And then wow. people will often take another language just for funsies, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. at school and stuff. And of course, if you're in – just in Western Europe where you can like – move you can move your physical body for about an hour right. and now you're starting about people who speak a different language you trip, thing, o- you yeah, trip on a thing. stick and then all of a sudden you're like you stand up and you're like oh shit i'm france now and yep. then now everybody's <laughs> speaking french yep. yeah it's a little it's a little different in in the u.s and also because of because of the british uh over the years 
English is everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then because of sort of like American uh, sort of capital colo- capitalistic colonialism, mm-hmm. like sending all of our shit all over the place, people also learn English for business reasons everywhere. So uh, unfortunately, the motivation is low. Yeah, we, could, we, just get to, <laughs> we get to get away with only knowing English, which is – I mean, embarrassing and, and not as good, yeah. um, but it is just sort of – it's just a fact of how the world kind of exists. It's, it, it's one of those uh, hidden privileges where you don't need – we don't need to – we just don't need to take the time to learn yeah. it because the rest of the world has kind of like come come to us. Yeah. You know, that's just how it is. Yeah. I mean, Sorry, guys. Because that lack of – that lack of incentive is, is a real problem, right? Because it's – and also, you know, like we here, here we are in St. Louis, right? And – and we, we very rarely even hear Spanish here because he hears a lot of Spanish in the U.S. sort of in, in general. But like, but here it's actually not even. There's like yeah, little pockets of the city, pockets, or it but, depends where you go. Like if you're on if you're on the Del Mar Loop, for example, because you have this mix of like just tons of kids from the college are right next by, and yeah. it's a big international pole. Yep. And so if you walk down the street on the Loop, you'll hear you might hear a whole bunch. You'll of hear languages. Arabic and then Chinese and then like just all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, depending on where you're at, then you might walk on you're just only hearing. Yeah, but since all those people are here for university education, mm-hmm. then they're all they all speak English also, right? Yeah. So right. so yeah, it's just like there's nowhere there's actually nowhere I can really go where I just can't just speak English, right? Mm-hmm. Uh and and the, the few times I've tried to learn other languages, you know, basically back in high school and then in you college. went to Mexico for a while, right? Yeah. yeah. So my wife and I went to Mexico, we took like a month long, like intensive Chinese or intensive uh Spanish course. You also took Chinese. I took Chinese yeah. at a different time. Yeah. Another intensive course. Uh, and and at the at the time, like I was like, I learned so much and I was like, I can actually like speak pretty well and all that kind of stuff. But then immediately after the course was done, like I didn't need to use it anymore. Yeah. Because you can't. And then back it, just, to it just falls, it just falls away. The northern US. Yeah. 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 So it's it's one of those things that's always been kind of a perpetual bummer for me, which is that I just I really only know English and then like I used to be able to get by in a couple other languages, but now definitely cannot because it's right. been so long. I mean, I always wanted to. I always want to learn Marathi, which is the language spoken in the home state of my wife <laughs> in India, because all of her family speak Marathi all the time. They don't speak Hindi generally. Like they can, they just don't because yeah. they're only. It's it's like how we say, well, we're in the northern United States. People tend to almost exclusively speak English around here. Yeah. Um. Or at least everybody does speak English. Mm-hmm. So so that's just what you hear everywhere, right? So when I, whenever I'm uh, staying with her family, which is typically in Mumbai, which is a city of like 26 million people, mm-hmm. um, everybody there just speaks Marathi. But that language only lives in that bubble of mm-hmm. that small geographic area. And then once you go outside, it's completely gone, right? Mm-hmm. So like I would love to learn that so I could fluently converse with all the people in well, her you family. You only need it once every couple of years or whatever. Every couple of years, I need it for like a week and a half. Yeah. Uh, and then once I leave, I, it's not that I – have fewer options to use it. I just don't have any really, right? Yep. Except if I just spoke inside my own house in Marathi. Yep. Uh, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's always about incentives and, and context. Uh, all right. Next question comes from Biggie Bapa Boop. What is the latest problem you have? Can we knotted? Huh. The list for levelhead is very long. <laughs> oh God, what's the latest? One? Well, it's. I mean, let's let's talk about just even doing the early access launch was literally a can we not situation because because of the fact that. We heard Super Mario Maker was coming out in June. We're like, well, we were going to take this thing all the way to a full simultaneous mm-hmm. release. What if we didn't, though? What if? Yeah. Well, not only that, not? But, but all of the things that we have to postpone working on. Yeah. You know? Cause, so, for example, like there's a there are already a suite of items. There's a suite of power-ups um, that, are, that have been in the game for a while now. But because of all the work that we had to do to get the game, like all the stuff we just talked about, to get the game to a point where it would be launchable, 
uh, we couldn't just keep on building content because it didn't make any sense. We had, to, we had to refine content. and test all the existing stuff. Exactly. So we basically drew a line in the content to say we can we can get by. We with, can with we a, cannot launch with these things. Exactly. And well, so, they're like they're they're almost ready, but not quite. We just haven't finalize. been used enough. Yeah. And internally so, for us to be comfortable with it. Yeah. So we'll just we'll sit on those for now and we'll get them out as quick as we can. Yeah. But again, and and it's always that you always think that you need more than you do. You Definitely. Know? The yeah. the the list of of required things for launch that we had like two weeks ago, or whatever it was, was about two hundred and was very something long. items long. Um, and we just did as much of it as we could. Yep. And so apparently, those are things are not required for launch. Yeah. Because. That's the yeah. reality, right? We've talked about when we launched Crashlands, we had 300 items in our workflow of like, these are things that have to go into the game. Yep. But, you know, once we had $500 left in the bank, we were like, I guess not. <laughs> I guess whatever happens, well, happens yeah, the, now. The reality yeah. is like when you when it seems like – I think this is one of those things about, uh, about constraints or about deadlines, which is that when it seems like you have infinite time, you actually cannot – you cannot tell what is really, really important. Yeah, you Every, everything is top priority. Everything and, seems like it's top priority. And everything you do, I mean, it's it's fair to say, like, everything you do moves the game forward. Yeah. You know, um, and I guess unless you do, unless you break it. But, but generally, you know, if you put a piece of work through your Trello board and you're like, yep, this is a new feature, new item, new interface tweak, you know, we want to change, we want to upgrade the fonts, like make mm -hmm. them a little sharper, whatever. Every single one of those things is fine. And you've, you've advanced the game, but to what end? Mm -hmm. And when does it stop? You know, because there's that uh, saying like a game is never finished. You just stop working on it. Right. Because you could always improve the game yep. in some way. So ha having that sort of deadline all of a sudden thrust upon us was actually it was just a pure can we not. And actually we took I think we took like 200 something cards out of our Trello, put them into a, a notion board of like game just design ideas. plans yeah. and stuff. We're like, you know, these things are still not pinned down. We don't have a, a roadmap for them. And we, we've got them in our board and we want to do them, mm -hmm. but we still don't know when. So it's just like, can we not deal with these? At yeah. least right now. Mm -hmm. uh, and so probably most of those will actually just never end up in the game. Yeah. Yeah. But we are, we're putting together a, uh, like a one month review cycle. We're saying like, all right, what are we going to focus on for the next month out of our, you know, ideas board and stuff. So it could, it could be like, oh, this month is going to be all about editor features and editor yeah. improvements or this next month is going to be about. But the cool thing about this, you know, mixing, mixing out the whole can we not thing with early access is that now we have this list of things that we think would be really cool and that we think are important and we can, and we can rank in terms of how important we think they are. But now we actually can get community feedback on stuff mm -hmm. where now the community, if the community like really just kind of comes around uh, around a certain issue. Um, so like maybe some aspect of how the editor works or something that, that like we know is kind of missing, but we thought this other thing was more important. Um, then now we actually can reprioritize based on what the community actually wants us to do. Yeah, yeah, I'm so excited about that because so much of 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 game dev when you're just in your cave is trying to guess what's important because you yeah. don't know. And so having the game actually in players' hands means that you just get to actually know in yeah. some ways. Well, and we've had so many conversations around what we think people might get irrationally upset about. Yes, you know, like because because there every every person has kind of like their idiosyncratic thing where they might feel slighted if a game is missing this certain feature or if a game does a thing a certain way. Um, and we also know that when you put a feature in, if you don't deliver it sort of like up to standard, then it's actually worse than, than if you just didn't have that feature to yeah. begin with. So we're always kind of going back and forth leading up to the launch about like what really matters in terms of what's going to ex like expose us to quote, like quote harm mm -hmm. by getting review bombed or, or whatever. Just negative reactions from the player. <clears throat> yeah, just, yeah. Cause like that's, it sucks. For the, it sucks for the player, but it actually sucks more for us. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, right. Because like a, the player bought the game, and then they're kind of like, oh, well, this. I don't like the fact that this is the way that, that it is. Like for example, the keyboard thing. 
from Alpha. It's like we put yeah. WASD and then J and K were your keys, which yeah. seemed like they made sense to so us. So you're kind of like almost on like the home row, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and it, we got a weird number of, of people saying. Really high gain responses from people who are like, I hate this. But, but I specifically, hate you and how dare you? Like yeah. we actually got that response. But specifically what they said was like, <laughs> I hate the fact that J is the is the grapple button. But they would never go into more detail. Like what button would – should it be just not just that. not what, yeah what is it about this that what's makes the, you so yeah, angry? what's the real because because essentially it's sort of like a wasd space bar which is a very common thing and then we thought well if you're playing just with the keyboard then you probably want your other hand you know in a comfortable familiar place like on the home row like the home row where it normally is so we'll just <laughs> go index finger middle finger right but uh no Mm-mm. no that was a bad it was a bad <laughs> move for for inexplicable reasons so then, we, so we added a, a second option, which is now you can play it with keyboard and mouse, where the mouse left and right buttons, which I actually do prefer. It, but actually, I feel it feels really. It good. feels fantastic. But the interesting note is that is that had I played a game like that, like my my response to that keybind control would not be so uh, like intense, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like because the, the the basic feeling we got from some players was essentially a a how how dare you? Yeah, yeah. like some some really sort of a. Uh, Outrage, yeah. sort of. And vibe. so <laughs> that's one of the interesting things about uh, you know, just but without doing, explanation, again. yeah, without explanation, yeah. which which is fine. But I think it's it's one of those things where as a as a dev, it's this really weird territory where like because you, you don't you don't know where all the landmines are, yeah. You know? And people it's kind of like dealing with a wild animal, like, yeah, like, like, you know, or maybe like you're petting a cat and then like it just bites you for, <laughs> for no reason at all, and then it rolls back over and you rub it. You you're know, like, is this like, okay? Am I, good? Am I good now? Is yeah, this, I think that's a good way to. to how the relationship kind of feels sometimes. You're like, yeah. I, I the love play, this. Yeah, yeah, like you love the whole experience of like owning a cat and mm-hmm. the cat seems to love you most of the time. Sometimes you just bite Every you. now and then you get wounded, you know? <laughs> uh, you got to kind of navigate that. Yeah, well, it's always for stuff because like you just pet it a little too long. But yep. not, not under any metric of too long specifically, just like just that in that moment, moment. That was, <laughs> that was too, too long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, actually that's pretty good. Yeah, that's a good metaphor. Pretty good right? metaphor. <laughs> um, yeah, and also I feel like I feel like early access, I mean, I have to say this. I feel like it's cheating. Yeah, I feel like it too. Because here's the thing. When you launch a game into like a full 1.0 launch, you get reviewed by mm-hmm. by all the review sites. And they t- they just like, that is the review now. Yep. With the, on launch day, your game gets reviewed and the reviewers are like 70% mm-hmm. or 50%. Yeah, that's or just whatever. how good your game is for the rest and of the time. No matter what you do. Locked in. You go to Metacritic, there's, nobody ever comes back a year later and they're like, Never mind. Scrap that yep. old review. It's yep. really good now. 100%. Right? Never happens. Um, and so, like, for example, if you look at our, our PC reviews uh, from Crash Dance, PC reviewers were like, this doesn't have controller support. This doesn't mm-hmm. have a lot of the features that we would want. We had a controller support. Nobody changed their review. No. Right? <laughs> yep. no. So, but in early access, nobody reviews it because it's, you know, not done. Mm-hmm. I'm putting that in air quotes. It's right. not done yet. Even though, like, it's fully playable. It has all this great content. You can... You can put hundreds of hours into it already. Well, it's a comical framing thing, though, too, because most launched games now get so many continuous updates post-launch that they're also not done at launch. Right? Yeah, yeah. The, the, the any, whole thing is basically is imaginary. Just, yeah, and the whole thing's imaginary. And so we feel like we, we after we started going down the early access process, we started looking at this more, and we're like, this can't be real. That that you basically could just be like, you can you can start selling the game and just continue working on it, right? And it, it's a fully finished product. It's ready to go. But- uh, but you can now you can now legitimately and genuinely take player feedback and improve your game, and people won't review it until you just arbitrarily go. And All by right, people, now, you mean you mean like the press, the, 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 yeah, press, the yeah. press, yeah. Until you just go, okay, now, 
Yeah. Now review it. <laughs> we're ready. We, we, we're ready. And right. then you can keep updating it after that too. And then they won't come back and do it after that. Yeah. So you, I mean, I, I think about a game like, you know, RimWorld, which, which that's, that's in, was in early access for years and years, Kerbal Space Program as well. Yep. And you just don't see any professional reviews of the game until the moment they're like, now that we've been working on this game for six years or yeah, seven in years. In the open market, getting feedback. In the feedback. open market, yeah. continuously getting feedback Huge from Huge numbers players. of sales, in fact. Yeah, getting feedback from players, improving the game in every possible way that, that players wanted. Um, okay, now, how good is it? <laughs> Tell us how good it is, right? Yeah. And at that point, I feel like well, it, it be feels good. like be, it's cheating. Yeah. <laughs> but it's awesome because I think the reality is no, – I love it. So well, the reality <laughs> is that it, it puts the framing really in the correct spot, which is is – Products have moved in the last 10 years from being these things that just arrived and that was it to being things that are constantly worked on. Like literally every single service you use operates under the same the same yeah. thing now. So the idea yeah. of like if it like it if today somebody reviewed like Netflix mm-hmm. just as a thing, you know, versus back when it was CDs in the mail. Yeah, exactly. Or just DVDs in the mail. Yeah. Um in both cases, those reviews are wholly inappropriate, right? Right, Because like all, all that they'll tell you is how good it is based on that person's mm-hmm. uh, biases and beliefs right in now. that moment. But yeah, it's also today. important that, that because this is now – this is the games, games as a service idea, right? Which is that if you are going to be updating your game, if you have plans for updating your game, you are doing a games as a service thing. It's just actually true, right? Yeah, they might they might just have sort of like an end of the games and service phase right. where you just say, okay, now this it's is final like, one. There's right. a final patch, or and so, but it's interesting because I think that that framing helps so much because it actually lines it lines the player community up with where we're actually at, yep. which is we're interested in, in literally building this and continuously building this thing to make it better based on your feedback. It's not like I just shoot it out and then walk away yeah. sort of thing. And now we just have to worry less about. Somebody arbitrarily sort of like stepping into that middle of that process and being like, boom, locked in. Yeah. This is how <laughs> yeah. everybody's going to think about your game from this point forward. Yeah, so it's super interesting. And I think players uh, seem to approach it a little bit more like that too. Though plenty of people don't even know that early access is a thing despite all yeah. the warnings that are on like the Steam page and stuff. They'll just get it. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, it, creates a, it creates a better relationship between us and the players. Yeah. Because they're saying like, yeah, I know you guys are going to keep working on this game. So here's my feedback. Like, but I love it and it's great and just we'll keep going. Right. Uh, and then they'll see more content coming out and – it's all gravy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all good. So uh, our next question comes from Zoo Slap Wumpy Whippy. It's <laughs> a good one. That's very good. You, by the way, for, for people who are new to the podcast, uh, you can go and you go to when you create your Rumpus account. Yeah. There's a little account management thing and you can hit some dice and we've got this random. Well, by, by default, you just get a random user. Yeah. Alias. So this might be one of those. But yeah. yeah, we got you can, you can go change it. And there's a little dice roller that you can you can go. So I think both Beaky Boppa Boop and Zoo Slap Wumpy Whippy are some of our. On point, randomly generated mm-hmm. names. Yeah, those are good ones. Zoo Slap Wumpy Whippy says, you've previously mentioned that one of the things that differentiates Levelhead is the package system, throwing it about, trying to bring it with you, uh, and grappling about the place. These both certainly sound great, but what's the best way of showing potential audiences how great they actually are? How do you mm-hmm. go about marketing mechanics? Mm. Well, that one you do not. You don't market mechanics. So uh, the reason is, in this case, is that the, the you have to make sure you understand what's the hook about your game. The hook about a platformer uh, being that you carry a package around nobody, is not a hook. Cares. <laughs> no one, no one gives it. Once you experience it, you're like, oh, yes. So, and it's really you got to make sure you you hone in on those things that are the difference between something that someone has to literally has to experience in order to understand how good yep. it is, versus something that someone can just sort of grok by looking at it and yeah. just see it, and they're like, oh. I think a good a good example. So, so when you market, you're marketing feelings. You're mm-hmm. not marketing. You're marketing. You're vibes. not. You're not marketing like logic or explanations, right? Uh, because people tend to 
reacts to things emotionally and then they act on the emotion that, that came about. Right. So, oh, but also you can't like people can't understand a thing without full context, which means they can't understand it until they already have it. Well, and no, you, I don't you think can't that's just true. explain it because people don't buy things based on their understanding. They buy things based on their feelings. Yeah, no, I'm saying so, even even if you could. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. there's yeah. no way to explain it anyway. What you can understand, right. which means that the whole explanation based approach just cannot work. Right. So think about a game like Portal. So Portal uh, appears to be marketed on its mechanics in the sense that that it's a puzzle game. Now it's, you're thinking with portals. Yeah, it's a first person puzzle game, and it's all about like you go through this portal and you come out the other side, right? But but the implications of that in a puzzling context don't really become clear until you're actually interacting with yeah. the puzzles. And the most right? incredible ways to use it do not become clear until much later, six, seven yeah. hours into the game. So yeah. then, so like, what is it then that you sell with that? And it's it's literally just this visual of like shooting a portal in one place, and shooting it on the other, other side, and yeah. then like seeing through the portal. Yeah, that is sufficient. And then walking through it yeah. like a door, or like the infinite following thing. Yeah, right? yeah. So you basically yep. you, you need to find these moments about your game that are somehow the basically the emotional beats that are captured inside of whatever that thing is. Yeah. And yeah. So. In our case with Levelhead, what we've actually focused on is is a combination of sort of the intensity of the play experience or on the creator side, we basically try to pick – like basically we made a new trailer that's coming out for, for the uh, the early access release. And so what you'll see in that one is it does show off the creator actually much more than the previous one did. Um, it actually starts with that. It starts with that. But the question was how do you do that in such a way where people get – people can understand what's happening? Because yeah. it's it's like moving stuff. It's moving blocks around. It would be like if you made a trailer for you know Photoshop or something. It's like, there's a lot of tools and a lot of exactly. things yeah. on the so screen. The vibe we're trying to then get people to walk away with is the idea that they could do anything. Yeah. And so the question is what then – what are these like bajillion elements that we built into the game somehow are easily understood at a glance and are impressive to be understood at a glance, right? And so it's stuff like the things that we've – the really good part about that is we've demoed the game enough and pitched it to enough people that we've seen the things that make people go – Ooh, and that's yeah. that's what you need. Whatever those are, like that's essentially how you build your marketing around mm-hmm. it. So in our case, it was the scale popping of of spikes, and then the terrain turning into different stuff as you build with it, uh, and then some of the like some of the properties being modified on uh, things like spike chains, where they get bigger, big, 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 big like really big yeah. spikes that start swirling around. So because you, what you want to do is you want to you want to like give people enough that they kind of feel inspired or interested in it mm-hmm. and then you want to sort of leave enough open that that there's curiosity kind of yeah. lingering so people start to imagine like well what else can what you can do, I do? You know? yep. uh but yeah so as far as and, it, and if you think back on it. look back at our crashlands trailer i mean that thing was it, it wasn't an explanation trailer yeah well it's actually we went away from uh from the spoken stuff with these last two trailers because and specifically i wanted to try hitting hitting those emotional beats harder because it just seemed like what essentially happens when when you have a lot of that text in there is that you you're going to fall into more of an explanatory mode because you can't right um and so we wanted to, to take that out and just see like can we make something that actually hits that's a trailer that still hits really hard um but that actually delivers along these emotional beats without saying a word yeah just the goal yeah because otherwise yeah the more the more we say the more we people just more the more people focus on the words what it is that yeah. we're saying you yeah. know also you have to translate them there's so that nice. other yeah. that makes it a very english only kind problem. of experience yeah. um yeah so there's a there's a lot to that uh, all right let's get to one last quick question which is from brain roosted jumpy woo when the dust settles after the release of Levelhead, do you have any plans to reward yourselves with a holiday or some in-house r&r time yes <laughs> uh, you have not, plans or just an intent i've got plans so my wife and I just happened to i didn't 
wasn't on purpose, but it just happened make to sure be. You don't, don't, make sure you don't mention any timelines while you're talking about it. Well, it's in May, so it's okay. after. <laughs> after um, April. Yeah, it's after April. But, uh, but yeah, in, in May, we're going to San Diego for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. So this will be our third ever trip just as a duo, which is super fun. In seven years we've been together. Um so I got that, and then we had briefly talked about we're doing we're doing a, a you know dinner with the team, and then we're gonna gonna plan a little togetherness day, kind of like when we did back in December, I think, where we bought Deep Rock Galactic oh, yeah. crew, yeah, brought some some booze in, and then uh, we worked for a couple hours in the morning, just kind of everybody's cleaning stuff up, and then around like eleven thirty. Bust out the booze. Bust out the booze. Bust out the dwarves. And then we just like <laughs> went deep rock galactic and mining. Just it was mined awesome. and murdered. It bugs. was so fun. It was like six hours, I think. We, yeah, we, we played, played too long. Yeah. Again, another early access game. Great. It is good. If, you, if you're looking but for something to tide you over to a level head, maybe try it. But if you guys are very ugly, at least the main menu one. Yeah. Still, well, that was that was very inspirational for us because it was. Yeah, we played it. We were <laughs> like, "Well, I guess we could do whatever like, we want." Like, this game is great, and yes, the UIs are terrible, and yes, many of the progression systems are clearly out of whack. Mm-hmm. You know, they'd be like, "Yes, there aren't very many enemies." It turns out you see them all in the first. Yeah, it's 10 like you, yep. you put in a like two hours of gameplay and you earn this currency or whatever, and they're like, "Here's one percent boost to your run speed." You're yeah, like, well, yeah, that the, the upgrades are so disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. it was still good enough that. You know, we had but a yeah, great, still a blast. Yeah, afternoon with it. So. I mean, yeah, the fucking drill arms, you know? Oh, yeah. You yeah, Adam drill was the drill arm guy. Yeah, he just, he just like, everybody else is, like, trying to, like, pick a way through. Wait, what were we? We're so like, you were the drill arm guy. Yeah. What did you, you I the, was the scout. So, so I, had the, I had the flare gun and the grappling Yeah, and then cable. sure had the platforms that he was shooting all oh, over yeah, the place. Yeah. Yep. Uh, was I? I was just the gunner. Yeah, like the heavy. So, but I had the zip line. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you could let the team go places, and I could just zip places at will. Yeah. Uh, unlimited, yeah. So I could scout ahead. And yeah, and if we're trying to figure out, like, if we're trying to find the eggs and stuff, then I have to like get over and just start drilling. Because like, and you be like, to, there's an egg through this wall. He's like, <laughs> he gets his, his drills. <laughs> awesome. It's hilarious. And then even like, because at the very end, you have to get back to a rocket, you know, mm-hmm. which can be pretty far away, and it's like through this convoluted maze. So we also yeah. we would just burrow to it. We'd be like, Adam, go <laughs> that way. Uh, and then of course, you know, you bust open into a tunnel, and there's just like a billion bugs there. Yep. Like, oh, this was a mistake. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's really a good fun. game. Uh, yeah, so we'll probably do something. We may also try to do some R and R right before yeah. the launch, just yeah. because as soon be, as it, it's going to be a busy time. As soon as it comes out, uh, you know, we, we want to be ready. I think we're we're all hoping that it'll go like the alpha did, which is smooth. Yeah, we, we hope that we all plan to be here, and then we're all here, and then we just like hang out and like chat with players and. It's not a big deal. I mean, it's not a big deal. I'm dubious, but I mean, we're, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think that's what's going to happen. But but, but it, it also all depends on the level of success, right? Because if if only the number of people who play this game who, who buy the game early access at the in the first few days is the same as who played it in the alpha by number, <laughs> right? Then like, yeah, it's going to be the same. Yeah. But if it blows up the way that we hope it does, like the more success we get out of this thing, it's going to be the rougher, bigger than the alpha, even if it's a yeah. low success. Yeah. Well, but, so, but the, the higher that gets, the rougher our weekend gets basically. Probably. Launch. Yeah. So we have set aside time uh, for the post launch weekend and all that mm-hmm. stuff. But you know, there's a, uh, it'll be a lot. Yeah. And we don't know. Cause I, you know, we haven't, we haven't tested the, the impact of scale. But that all depends on the actual scale. Yep. So, because so like my my webs, all of Rumpus supposedly can auto scale to compensate for really high usage. But, but can it? But it's literally never had to, right? Yep. So get ready. What, so what's going to happen? You know, <laughs> maybe we should money look at that. <laughs> well, that was, that, no, there's nothing we can do about it because that, that was one of the things in our list of like oh, yeah. here's the thing we absolutely have to do before launch. And at some point we're just like we can't. Nah. We're like, well, I hope that works out. Yeah, we just hope it works yeah. out. So all right, well, I hope that works out. Yeah. Me too. 
right. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. We'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Coster, for making things sound good and run smoothly. Thanks to the community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, you can just go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we've got merch, links to the community Discord, a way for you to donate to support the podcast, and links to the archives. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.